0: Welcome
1: to the Blooming League of Original Podcasts.
0: G'day and welcome to an extra fabulous edition of Thrush and Treasure, the Torture Chamber musical comedy podcast that sailed the good ship lollipop straight into a cold-hearted iceberg. And speaking of good, I'm not, but I am Aaron and I'm joined as usual by the Dr. Phil to my Oprah, but instead of delivering deep advice, he's dishing out deep diva dives because he's Evan the metal man. <laughs> How you doing? There you go. How was your week in 25 words or less? Um, building stuff so my
1: disabled son doesn't spill food on himself.
0: That is awesome and very admirable. You were telling me right before the show. Anyways, guess what? What? We have our first prima donna in the rock opera house today. And I'm so excited, I nearly shattered my champagne flutes. Our next guest is a phenomenal... Ugh, I can't say words today. Aussie opera star, whose extraordinary five octave range... Wait, what? I can't even say a five-letter word. Shit. Whose five octave range... Has been a fixture in Australian entertainment, spanning stage and screen, with appearances on Spix and Specks*, The Last Leg, Adam Hill's Tonight, Wow, someone at the ABC must really like you. And it's easy to see why. with breezy stage performances that let this artiste get the moat's art out of her skills in productions such as, uh uh-oh, opera titles, Brace Yourselves, A Little Night Music, Trial by Jury, phew, okay, The Mikado, easy enough, Don Giovanni, Manon, The Magic Flute, The Convict's Opera, hey, I'm good at this, The Love of Three Oranges, Fied Leo, Iolanthe, Dive Fleddle Maloose. Uh, Anyways, this dazzling diva has also chuckled caution to the wind, with various comedy and burlesque performances, including her world-renowned, spoiler alert's Late Night Variety Night Night, plus the world-first, the opera burlesque, in the world-famous, Famous Spiegel Tent, it's safe to say, the world is this icon's oyster shell light. So please give a warm, harmonised g'day to two out of six Laurel Eyes, whose talents have also lied in the creation of her successful Jazza series of CDs, also making her an accomplished recording artist, where she perfected the pop formula to create alchemy, plus her various performances across the world's most illustrious theatres and festivals, including Carnegie Hall, Sydney Opera House, Edinburgh and Melbourne Comedy Festivals. Plus, we caught her spectacular Christmas act in Courtney Act's Christmas Spectacular, but today she's caught in our torture chamber. So please welcome to the show the cabaret star who flew home with a helpman when she spread her wings as Yima Sumac, The Peruvian Songbird, who, by some miracle, is also today's chosen metal album. What? And after our guest's history of operising classic rock songs by artists such as Kiss, Blur, The Prodigy, it's her cover of ACDC's You Shook Me All Night Long, that has wives everywhere asking their husbands, what the fuck are you watching? Only to find out it's the exquisite Ali McGregor welcome to the torture chamber how are you going
2: wow i'm a little gobsmacked at that introduction but thank you
0: so am i i think that's possibly one of the longest ones out there and i didn't even cover your work in plays or commercials half of your television work
2: no i don't i I, yes i mean it did read like a slightly incorrect wikipedia entry but
0: um i got imdb as well which i have a question about because there is something on there that I, I'm curious.
2: Yeah, maybe IMTV is kind of incorrect. I mean, you did mention basic just all all the television shows my husband's involved in, and I haven't necessarily been, but that's that's fine.
0: Yeah, I I didn't think you were in the last leg, but I've put no, it in there anyway.
2: No, no, look, let's do it. Why not? <laughs>
0: I had to make a joke out of it because that's what we do here. <laughs> we um we love to to show our reverence with our tongues planted firmly in cheek, but I have to know. <laughs> Were you actually a script supervisor on the Miss World pageant? Because that's oh on your IMDb. God. Is it really? Yes. Oh,
2: I'm going to take that. I'm absolutely going to take that. I mean, no, but um, no. Yeah. <laughs> that's fabulous.
0: It was 2011 and I'm thinking no. Look,
2: look, I, you know, obviously I did blank out for most of 2011, so maybe that's yeah. what I was doing. <laughs> Possibly. Yeah, I thought I was just raising a one-year-old, but no, that actually, yeah, I think probably those two jobs are very similar anyway. So, um, yeah, yeah, no. Oh, how wonderful! I have to read that. I love incorrect. I there's um there is an Ali McGregor who is a uh, Christian musician in America who plays violin. I sometimes get that. There's also a, a goalie for the Scottish hockey Olympic team.
0: Uh, Ali McGregor. I-
2: Aye. <laughs> Um, I believe he's Alistair, but goes by Ali. So I get a few of those alerts as well on my my Google alerts. And the other wonderful thing is Kylie Minogue's um, manager, she's now married and her name has changed, but her maiden name was Ali McGregor. And so every now and then I get emails from people who have both her and myself in their address book, yep. you know, sort of lovely discussions about Kylie's upcoming tour and <laughs> get some lovely insight. I have had. I ended up having a night out with them one night and we actually managed to share this sort of uh, weird little coincidence, but but no, beauty pageants, fantastic.
1: Yeah. It is really surprising how often we, we'll have a guest on and the, the wiki is wrong.
0: Oh, no, that's not surprising. Yeah, <laughs> it is not surprising and it's just embarrassing, that's all, <laughs> but I, I'm so used to it now. Sorry,
2: Evan, are you trying to tell me that the internet is sometimes wrong?
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, more more
1: often than I thought.
2: I, I think that is fake news for sure. <laughs> you, you know, I think in Australia you do have to be a multitasker because, you know, there's just mm. not a huge amount of work in any one genre. Because in Europe, if you're an opera singer, you can pretty much just have like three operatic roles that you play and you just play them in opera houses all around Europe and America. Yeah. In Australia it's, you know, everyone I know, you know, Amanda Harrison is, you know, lead in Wicked. She's not a real estate agent as well like you know everyone has to be a multitasker it's uh so yep. yeah I, I kind of love it i've always uh, enjoyed being a jack of all trades master of none but anyway
0: yeah well that's, that's what i always say but I mentioned a few times on this show to the kids out there to pick up secondary and tertiary skills in design or something else to to back it up at the end of the day then again i can barely rub my stomach and pat my head at the same time uh, <laughs> but you have expanded over quite a few genres of music through opera uh, will we ever get a opera rap album ali mcgee in the house
2: will you say that like it's a joke oh no but i am a massive hip-hop fan and in fact yeah. One of my favourite songs to do in my Variety Night is a medley of lady rap. Yeah. And I cover, there's some salt and Pepper and Missy Elliott, Nicki Minaj, and a whole bunch of stuff. I, I love, you know, I'm, I'm the, the sort of most middle-aged white rapper you could imagine, but, yeah, I, I use my own shows to live out my MC dreams.
0: Awesome. I <laughs> rapped in front of about 3,000 7 year olds on a cruise ship. I did Eminem just for fun.
2: Awesome. Just
0: for fun. So I promise that is not a joke question. It was,
2: I'm I'm assuming you did the radio edit.
0: Uh, yeah. So there's only like four (laughs) or
2: five words in that anyway, then I'm I'm assuming.
0: Yeah, (laughs) it was lose yourself. So trying to inspire all the oldies.
2: Once you take out all the bad words there, there's not that many words to wrap am not sure how much of an achievement that is
0: no no i said mother flipping but anyways this week uh, we're gonna change it up a little bit we're gonna jump into the musical because we have a doozy that ali and i discussed and chose it was between flawoolie and the one that we did choose jerry springer the opera which is an absolute controversial show to say the very very least uh, so what we'll do is we'll quickly run through evan's thoughts and see what he thought because he dived into this. <laughs> and just for our context, he loved Frozen and loved Booker Mormon even more. So how's he gonna go with this yeah. blend of classical highbrow with the lowbrow? I'm very oh. curious after what you asked me before. Where's the
2: highbrow in Jerry Springer, the opera?
0: <laughs> or the quote unquote highbrow. The singing that I cannot do, let's just say that. I can barely string a sentence together. So anyways, Evan. Right. Well, just before we get started, um, hopefully
1: you haven't ever been in this show. I haven't, no. Or know anyone associated with it, not friends with Stuart Lee or anything crazy like that. Yeah. I
2: feel like you I feel like I don't know what's gonna come up here, but um I'm a huge admirer (laughs) of Stuart Lee. (laughs) And I know people have been in it, but go ahead.
1: All right. Well I was watching some stand up of, of you know, he yeah, he's funny. It's his his stand up's great. Yeah, uh, uh, for a start, I don't know how this exists. As, as usual, everything's a musical. But I mean, does does everything have to be a musical? Yeah, there's no story here. There's no story whatsoever. There's no character development. There's no. barely any conflict. Well, well, there's no one learnt anything. No one grew as a person.
2: Have you watched Jerry Springer, the TV show, though?
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, this is the thing. <laughs> I mean, it comes across like the first act is coming across as uh, a parody, and you can't parody Jerry Springer. He's already a parody of humanity as it is. Like, they literally just put portions of the show
0: on stage. Yeah, to music. Mm-hmm. It didn't didn't change anything. They didn't need to, and then mm-hmm. just swore a lot. Don't, don't you? Sorry, <laughs> I need to cut you off here because don't don't you see the musical nature the theatrical nature of those fights of those episodes in Jerry Springer that's why it works so perfectly on stage anyways it's your opinion not mine I'm just getting defensive do you
2: know what it's like it's like you know when a, a viral video a video is viral where there's someone talking and someone auto, puts it to auto-tune and yeah. it is yeah. hilarious this is essentially what they did they got Jerry Springer and took episodes of that and then just put it to it to a tune for shits and giggles and it's a comedy show it's a musical i look I, I absolutely love it i feel like you've slightly missed the point of it and
0: yeah i th- i think so
1: too <laughs> no no like i said i mean i'm you know i'm in i'm in my 40s i was I, I think jerry's hasn't really gone anywhere but yeah i've seen enough jerry springer but yeah the entire first act i found was just completely meaningless and mm-hmm. didn't mean it it just it was completely pointless there were it you know, he gets, spoilers, he gets shot at the end of the first act and goes to hell. So you can just disregard the first act entirely. It is just the show on stage sung with just excessive swearing. Mm-hmm. And, and that's a bad thing? No, a good F-bomb well placed can be comedy gold. This is just swearing for the sake of swearing. You know yeah. when you pick up your kids <laughs> from school and you bump into one of those mothers where every second word is F this and F that? And, and you're slowly backing away going, you're not my people. Well, act one, not my people.
2: Did you watch the video <laughs> of this or just the audio?
1: I did no, I listened to it all the way through. And then I watched the pro shot because for some reason,
0: Aaron has the DVD. And yeah. uh, so what, uh, this, this <laughs> some reason you said to me before it, it my heart clenched up inside my chest because I knew this was coming. <laughs> Anyways, well, apparently it was getting pulled off the shelves. Yeah. Just from
1: being. Now, I don't have any problem with the content whatsoever. With, you know, Lucifer and all the rest of it. The, the, the Christian side of it. I, you know, that's fine. You can have. Well, what is it? Chicks with dicks and guys in nappies. And that's fine. I don't have any problem with the content. As a cisgender male, yes. Yeah, it was just terrible. From start oh, to finish. I'm disappointed in you. I, I've got a problem what with about, the plot.
2: What about the I Just Want to Fucking Dance? That song is iconic. Yeah, okay. You have to at least like that song.
1: I I, I like, uh, what's her name? Alison G, Alison Gia. Yeah, she's yeah. great. She's got i noted it down. She's got a genuinely good voice.
2: She's amazing. She's Australian and 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 that song has taken her around the world on gay cruises, but around the world like she, <laughs> she, I don't think you're allowed to have a gay cruise without her singing that song. No.
1: David Badella who who plays Satan genuinely fantastic voice. He's brilliant. No, my issue my issue is not with the singing um or you know the talent on stage. It's It's the writing. I found there's some really lazy writing where you've got entire verses which are just bitch, 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 bitchy, bitchy, bitch. Yeah. There is literally (laughs) two minutes.
0: (laughs) That's the point. You're completely missing the point. Sorry. No, I'm not. There
1: is literally two minutes and six seconds of Satan and Jesus saying F you to each other.
0: yeah and then the most brilliant line ever talk to the stigmata
1: which he didn't have on his hand they forgot to put a red mark on his hand
0: well it like, technically should be on the like... wrist if it was in the hands he'd fall off the crucifix but oh, anyways that's, that's either, either way anyways go. but yeah no and,
1: um yeah there's no story there's no character development no one learns anything well my beef with the storyline is lucifer's problem is with god not jesus God is the one who cast him down, not Jesus. And you got, you got Lucifer and Jesus on stage trying to, you because know, work out their differences. It's the wrong the favorite guy. son.
0: He's the favorite son. That's why he's jealous of Jesus. Jesus didn't
1: cast Satan down. That's, oh, that's not how no, the story he's goes. jealous
0: of, you didn't hear what I said. He's jealous of Jesus being the favorite son. You should know this being the favorite son, being the youngest in a family of 15. Either way, it should have been God on stage, not Jesus. He did come on.
2: Jesus is funnier. The thing is, and I'm not—I've never been in this show, and I'm—I I'm mean, in no way a spokesperson for it. But I think what I love about this piece is it's complete and utter nonsense. Yeah. It highlights the fact that these the Jerry Springer shows made no sense. No one ever learned anything. No one—it never went anywhere it was ridiculous it it, it it people would get up there and spout you know about god and you realize that they you know have maybe read the bible upside down you know i think i think the whole idea of this was that you know it's highlighting the just complete nonsense and, and it, i don't think we know i mean we're all um sort of a, in my late 40s as well and so we I remember jerry springer being on tv but i don't think people you know young people would know there's not really anything like it on TV. It was it was absolutely mm. extraordinary. And for an Australian to be watching this show, it just, it seemed so, and I think British people as well, it, it seemed to typify just the worst part of American culture. And I I, yep. I feel like this was just satirizing that completely. And it was written as a cognitive show for the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. So I think you have to really put that in context. It was never planned yeah. on being at the Sydney Opera House. The fact that it was with Kate Miller-Heike and David Wenham and, and people and Marcus Graham and it is hilarious in itself. But I don't know. I think, it's, I think art sometimes tries so hard to be so intelligent and, and have so much worth. Oh, I just think it's so refreshing to someone just come out and swear 174 times in 66 minutes and I think it's great.
0: fucking a that's what i say to that one like uh, look this i was what when was this 2005 so i was 20 when this came out very much the target audience with with that but i i'm into intelligent humor as well as you know but i also like the stupid and the silly and that's what this is but it's done in such a way where they are Instead of just shouting at each other, they're they're singing, and they are just singing. Uh, Talk, 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 or whatever they're doing, and and there's all the overlaying, and you got the audience that are you know doing their chanting in song as well. And I don't know how you. The only the only thought this was a guarantee that you would like this. I am so shocked. In terms of,
1: they missed a huge opportunity. There was not one Steve chant, um, which was a staple of the show. And the, the one time I noticed the audience in the pro shot was when the Ku Klux Klan start tap dancing and they light a freaking cross and the crowd are literally going, I'm not sure if I can clap this. There's a really awkward clap going on.
0: Yes. And I
1: agree because that was pointless. There was no... Uh, now, I'm not, like I said, I'm not offended by it. I just didn't find there to be a reason for it.
2: But isn't that, you said you like Book of Mormon.
1: Loved it, genius. There's a couple
2: of times in Book of Mormon that has that same time where you're almost putting a mirror up to people and making an audience actually really think about why am I offended at this? Should I be offended at this? I think it's really good for us to sort of soul search a little bit about what triggers our offense and whether or not we're getting offended on behalf of someone else. I, I think all of that sort of stuff is is seriously clever. I mean. they're they're very very smart
0: yeah that's tap dancing Ku Klux Klan members like it's so stupid it is so silly it is springtime for Hitler yeah it's just done in such a way that is is more fuck you than than the PG-13 Mel Brooks version you know it's it's that's you know
1: normally normally with these you know I'll, I'll listen through blind just listen to it at work and usually I'll go it, it'll either the, the musical will either lay itself out nicely, and I'll and I'll get the gist of the whole story, or I'll be completely lost, and then I have to go find out what it's about. Mm-hmm. This one didn't lay out a story, and I knew that there wasn't one, and I started looking and realized that there still wasn't a story there. Then I sat down and watched the pro shot with with my wife, and we're both looking at each other, going, "This is just awful." this is just plain awful
2: it's definitely of a time i I don't think it would have the same you know it wouldn't well it wouldn't be written now i think it was definitely of its time um have you ever seen i'm trying to think and i'm actually trying to look up here stuart lee did a stand-up show about this and about the reaction um especially in america um as far as blasphemy goes and
1: Oh yeah, um, it was it was petitioned and you know it caused all sorts of issues.
2: Well, it's fascinating if you if you if you look if you find and I I'm, I'm sure there is a there is a DVD or you know it's online of the stand-up show he devotes to to this and about blasphemy. Yeah, and I think it puts right. the show it will it might make sense of the show a bit more for you because you see what was going on in his head and what he was trying to do with this piece. Yeah. And um and you know, the whole idea of of, of blasphemy, he really turns on its head. It's yeah. really
1: yeah. But like I said, I wasn't. I don't have a problem with the content or uh, or the themes or what he was going for. It was there purely... was enough meat
0: in the story. Oh, there, is what you're there's saying? A, there's no. There a lot of meat in that story, but yeah. Oh. I think there is too. Um, because he. I mean, I literally. There's a I whole read... ex, ex- existential thing <laughs> in heaven where he's. He says that he's not here for conflict interest or whatever, uh, conflict resolution or whatnot, and he he has his Valkyrie that is his sort of inner conscience, I think. I don't know. <laughs>
1: I could be reading
0: too much into it.
1: <laughs> and, and he ends up, way back at the start, having achieved nothing and learnt nothing and... On you know, no, and we on uh, we go with the happens. next episode.
0: Yes, that's what happened with Jerry uh, Springer. Goodness gracious me, yeah, don't you remember? No. And people would come back, you know, three years later. Yeah, and, see, that's and what I would have liked to have seen. Position.
1: I would have liked to have seen a story about some guests who you know keep coming back and you know forgive each other for their sins and you know okay. they, you could have done a story.
0: But why? I don't think there is. I I just think it's yeah. maybe not deep but it's there
2: (laughs) look it's a satirical review it's not really a musical in the sense that it has Hmm. you know a narrative arc and I think you have to see it as a burlesque as a as a a satirical review um that the show is just called stand-up comedian the, the Stuart Lee which I do recommend you watch as a you know a companion piece to this but I think maybe presenting this as um, either a musical or an opera has given you a bum steer because it's really not. It's a comedy review.
1: Well, yeah. My <laughs> my final thought was um, violin strings are expensive and this was a waste of strings.
0: You are as bad as your brother. I am so shocked. What did you think of flahuli quickly? Because did you get to listen to that? I did listen through it once, yeah. Did you actually like that? Uh, I didn't have
1: enough time. It's... It's it's old.
2: Was it the original recording you listened to? Because it's a very <laughs> yeah with yeah. with Emma
1: Sumac. Yeah. yeah, it's
2: a very it's a very different sound in the nineteen fifties. Mm. The sound of the the vocal production. Yeah. There has been a more recent production to it. I mean, Emma Sumac yeah. was really yeah. just pushed into this. They sort of just found made a role for her <laughs> singing some of her own mm. music because she was a very big hit for Capital at the time, and they just wanted her in it. Doesn't make huge amounts of sense having her yeah. in there. Um, yeah, um, the debut of Barbara Cook, who's a wonderful. I want to flip it, but it's it, it it was it was um it did close a lot. It has a lot to say, I think, as well about the time in the fifties, and a lot of people think it closed early because um, uh, of the whole you know everyone trying to find communists, and it was thought to be making comment on the American way of life. Um, yeah. This was the, you know McCarthy trials and stuff, so. That's a, a funny, a little angle to that you might not see on the surface of it, but is playing. Yeah,
1: I, I only listened through and then didn't get a chance to actually look into it because
0: you yeah, changed the musical on me. I did, yeah. Yeah. I I, I made that executive decision because <laughs> I actually thought, I was convinced that you would love this because it is so silly and yeah, stupid I, and offensive.
1: I was listening to it going, you've chosen this because you think I would find it funny. And I, I I'm sorry, this is just downright awful Um, and I'm going to give it a minus seven for the seventh layer of hell it deserves to be on
2: do you know what I think Stuart Lee would be proud of that review and I think he'd be proud of that rating as well I feel like that's what he would want
0: yeah yeah it's stick in the mud well I'm (laughs) going to dip you in chocolate and throw you to the lesbians which is one of my favorite (laughs) lyrics and the other one is probably my second favorite lyric of all is there is only one cure for unrequited love chocolate and howling at the moon and then they all start howling that is just one of the silliest lyrics and silliest moments in musical theatre
2: also quite true though really if you think about it surely
0: yeah every night Ali <laughs> I tell you that every <laughs> single night uh well it looks like Jerry has sprung so we're gonna chuck to a quick ad break because I am utterly disappointed in Evan I I couldn't hold my tongue that was just I'm so oh
1: it's well qu- I mean, I've been really diplomatic and quite, see, quite often on this show, I'm literally facing someone who was either in it or wrote it. Um, and you have to find some good, even if you're not a fan. We're
0: not going to insult guests. Come on, we're like, your work was shit. No. That's not what we do. I
1: do my best not to insult people.
2: No, but again, even no. if I think if you were talking to someone who was part of this, this was written to have reactions of severe love and severe hate. It was yeah. not written for anyone to have a, yeah, it was nice. So yeah. I think this yeah. is this is a good reaction. This is what what was wanted. You wanted extreme yeah. reactions, and you've got it. I think it's good. Yeah. Job done. That's, Tick.
0: Let's uh, say <laughs> our our show is not always going to be successful. Every album, but anyways. Coming this summer, winter, spring, or fall. The first ever musical theater sitcom where you go behind the scenes of the latest West End show, The Fussy Forest Ballet. Where's the important
1: stuff? Aha! A thousand pound a week ensemble rate. Ah, that's what Mamma Mia likes. Starring Philip Joel and a West End cast featuring Carrie Alice, Darren Denny, Louise Demon, and Oliver Savile, and more. It all
2: started in 1987
0: when I was a jobbing actress working in a diner.
2: Yeah, it's just I I had a really bad experience when I was touring Australia with a wombat.
0: Darling! How long have I been mentoring? you? Three months? Two years.
1: So her name is Henrietta?
0: The horse,
1: yes. I've managed to secure you an audition for the biggest, most innovative.
2: And the latest show to be going into the West End. Joseph and his colour Dreamcoat. Think more along the lines of pant. Yeah, frozen. You can watch this episode for the price of a coffee. Simply go to www.thefussyforestbelly.com Any and all profits go back to theater charities acting for others and the theater's
1: trust. You'll laugh, you'll cry, and you'll see a grown man in sparkly tights. Tight nights. Nice, tight.
0: We're back with Thrash and Treasure. I'm Aaron. That's Evan, and we are joined by Australia's number one soprano, or mezzo soprano, or baritone, or bass. I don't know all these terms. You you covered. Five forty 40 notes, is it? No,
2: I don't have a five octave range. Um, either did Aime, either did Emma uh, Sumac, really. And oh, okay. I, I'm a soprano by definition, but I am in no way Australia's best one.
0: Do you know where I got that from? Michael Feinstein's video of you performing. Oh,
2: bless him.
0: He's written it on there. That's where I got it from. And I, I read it there and I'm like, oh, of course, if he said it, it must okay, be sorry. true.
2: I take all of that back. It is true. If he yep. says it, he, he is. <laughs> yeah.
0: Because when I saw it, I'm like, hang on, is that the same? Is that the same guy with the 54 below? And yeah, thought, that's that's one because obviously I know you've done a lot of work in the UK, but I, to, to see you performing in US US. Yeah, was like, he took me yeah, to Carnegie Hall
2: exciting. and took me oh, to wow. I, I sang, you know, an Amos Sumac number with his he, he's the artistic director of the Pasadena Pops Orchestra. And I sang that in yep. L.A. with him, um, which was fantastic as well, because one of the guys working, um, one of the stage managers working, um, came up afterwards and said, Oh, I want you to meet my mum. She's in the audience. Uh, and <laughs> she went to school with Ima Sumac's son.
0: Oh wow. oh, wow. So it
2: was really wonderful being in LA after doing the show here and uh, about Ima Sumac. For, we haven't really mentioned her yet, but she was a 1950s Peruvian singer. Yeah. Um, and, you know, no one, not many people in Australia really know her that well. But, you know, suddenly being in LA where she lived most of her life. Was fascinating to be around people who did know her and who had seen her at the hollywood bowl in 1951 and stuff like that it was very cool
1: wow well i checked with my mum and she's heard of her
2: oh she has yeah it was definitely something to put on at the you know at your dinner party it was that sort of mumbo exotica era in the 50s where you know everyone was listening to um tiki drums and drinking cocktails
1: Yeah, well, mum's uh, 80 next year And, yeah, I just sort of randomly, I'm like, have you ever heard of Emma Sumac? She's like, yeah, of course I have.
2: She was the highest selling recording artist uh, for Capital at the time. And they also had Bing Crosby. She was a huge star. Mm. And, um, you know, I guess when rock and roll came in, a lot of that kind of exotica was seen as a bit kitsch and a bit naff and uh, seen as kind of novelty songs. And so I guess she sort of, you know, faded out a little bit of um, popular consciousness. But um, she was incredible, a huge star. I've
0: heard her in a few movies.
1: Yeah, Charlton Heston
2: uh, Oh yes, well that was, yes, that was the one big um, the one big um, movie she was in but she's also, they've used her music in a lot of soundtracks. Um, the Big Lebowski there's a really famous scene where the girl's jumping nude on the trampoline and they're playing Atal Hooper and it's been sampled in like Black Eyed Peas songs lots of TV commercials so yeah, she's one of those things when you hear it, you're like, oh, I know this
0: yeah. yeah, even a, a Apple commercial used one of her songs as well.
2: Yeah, doesn't surprise
0: me, yeah. It did. Now, this week we've chosen, because Yuma Sumac in the 70s did a prog rock album, which, Ali, you told me about, and I was like, whoa, okay, now we're we're definitely going to go with this, because this is the intersection of our show. Very much so. So I guess this is going to be our last episode. We've we've reached the pinnacle. Now yeah, we can we can it. stop. And and sorry to Chris Sarandon, who we have recording next week. <laughs> um, we won't get to you. No, um, yeah. I'm just kidding.
1: No, Ali Ali has hijacked the show, and, yes. and chosen Emma Sumac so she can talk about one of her favourite things.
2: Look, I have, and it's true. I do love her, and and this this album, Miracles, is is kind of insane. I I. And i i love it because it's kind of just what that's kind of you generally the reaction people have <laughs> like what what is what is this and she, she you know she she was at a point in her life similar age to me where i am and and you know rock and roll had come in and she felt like you know she didn't know her worth she'd had a really tumultuous time in her personal life with her husband manager svengali etc oh getting everyone pregnant but her and uh and it would sort of divorced twice and and she was at a point I think where she was really trying to to feel relevant and so the idea of doing a rock and roll album seemed like a really great idea and the people writing it were similar people who had written all the Exotica stuff so it was kind of like yeah. a whole bunch of, uh, it's like your uncle writing a rock and roll album a little bit it was kind of a whole bunch of people who had been great musicians but writing some of the more kind of Exotica stuff suddenly going oh we can write this rock and roll stuff, that sounds easy Um, and then just putting this extraordinary voice over it. Interestingly, she didn't sing any of her high notes at first on this piece, and the producers were getting really annoyed, and one of the producers basically threatened to bring in another singer just to sing all the high notes, and then suddenly Ema swanned in, did one session, and then just basically overlaid high notes over all but one of the songs, and apparently it was extraordinary and she sort of threw her hat up in the air and went but basically a sort of 1970s mic drop yeah. and uh i walked out of there but it's yeah it's 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 a kind of insane album i, I love it
0: that is very rock and roll and actually before i get to my review because i've written a short review i watched an interview i not an interview i watched a performance of her and during the the break between songs there was a little interview and then she started, or she was about to sing the second song. Oh, is this song. the
2: German television show? I
0: think so, yeah. and someone started mm-hmm. to laugh and she's just like, nope, see, is later and she stormed out of there. And I'm like, yes, yeah, that's very rock and roll.
2: Yeah, I, I recreate this moment in my show. It's a. I do? Yeah, it, it sort of saddens me a little bit because she had no one really at the time, as I said, she'd had this husband who was a manager and who yeah. looked after her for so many years and never really sort of fronted herself and and sort of is at a point in career where she feels like people are laughing at her and think she's a novelty song and yeah and she just the insecurity is another performer watching that the insecurity on show when you see someone you think maybe be laughing at you and it just oh it breaks my heart watching that clip
0: yeah i uh, look at a lot of performers would work through it and probably not put on a good performance whereas she was pretty much a middle finger and walked out of there Good on her. Yeah, she's yeah.
2: great. I know. I got it. But it's also one of those funny German talk shows where it's this dude in lederhosen and, and slippers that look like hamsters. I'm not sure if you noticed that part of it.
0: It was only just the clip of sort of the one song and then her walking off. She apparently, from what I can tell, exhibited quite a few rock and roll sensibilities. And <laughs> I like that, you know, lady. Anyway, so I'm going to quickly run through my review. Um, it's don't expect anything much, not as, as deep as Evans disappointing review. Anyways, I'll uh, hopefully be out to of sleep tonight. So, when I first saw the cover, I wondered where it was, and can I go there? Even with the stairway to nowhere. But the more I stared at this photo, the more I realised that the promenade is actually a double base, with a pig's tail. And who is that giant showgirl? Bewildered, but intrigued, I pressed play, and the instant the psychedelic prog rock started, the photo started to make sense. This pic was taken on somebody's acid trip, anyways, already slightly familiar with this Peruvian songbird's call, I was still surprised to hear how well their ebulently animalistic vocals suited. I don't know why wow, wow, wow is only a shoulder chip away from. Wow, 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 wow. But upon my third listen, I realised something. This is the perfect soundtrack for The Toniston Tales, shameless plug. From its slick, funky, drug-infused orchestrations, to the sheer joy behind Miss Sumac's voice, I'm actually slightly disappointed not to have known this miraculous record existed whilst writing The Toniston Tales, plug. It's odd, insane, unique, exciting, and amazing. Which is just how one would describe the Pluggiston Tales. Oh, shit, I just can't do words today. And speaking of words, lyrically, this was the most clear album yet, even with the guttural squeaks and squeaky guttural zzzz. Overall, I felt this album was an act of God, and in the end, after 22 listens, it's clear to me that you're a sumac, you're a sumac, we're all a sumac. Five stars. I really love this album because, as you say, it is insane. (laughs) It is just crazy. It is, it's animalistic. And I know that was her her sound. That was sort of the bird calls and and nature and um, sort of tapping into that. But having that that funky guitar behind it and yeah, I I really enjoyed this. Thank you so much. I'm so disappointed I didn't know this beforehand. Why didn't I start this podcast years ago? Uh, so yes, that's, I, I love this. And I know Evan and I had an argument about it cause when he first pressed play, he messaged me and said, this is opera. <laughs> and it turns out he was listening to the wrong album. So, uh, although it's still not
1: opera. Well, it's prog rock. No, I mean, even, even the, her, her other albums. I mean, I went into a deep dive into Ima Sumac. Oh, did you? Yes. She is a force of nature unbelievable voice just incredible i'm i'm really annoyed i'm annoyed that i'd never heard of her because you you know you know in the back of your mind there's all the greatest singers of all times all your your freddie mercury's and such and you all the biggest bands of all time you've at least heard of them spice girls why had have i not heard of of emma sumac when you know just her freaking her whistle register and to hear her go from the highest of whistles and go all the way down through the register and end up with that grumbly. What is it? What do you call that? That growl she does a growl, you know, and she'll go right through the scale. And, and, you know, there's no skip in the middle. Oh, it's incredible range. It's just, she, yeah, she's amazing. She's a, she's a force of nature. She's just a, a one-off. Like I've always, I've always thought that everyone has the capacity to sing. They just need to learn how to use their voice. But not everyone can sound like Emma Sumac. She was born
0: different. Yeah, it, it's they need to know how to breathe.
2: Well, yes, breathing has a lot to do with it. But she she was completely not classically trained at all, and she mm. she says although it's very hard to to sort of sort between the. Um, the sort of um contrived mystique and reality but she did say that she learnt to sing walking in the mountains of peru listening to the birds and the animals and nature and i think that does make some sense because there is you can hear in her voice and not this album necessarily but things like Tumpa about an earthquake or Chuncho, which was also in fluhuli which is about birds or the forest creatures it, it's you know, and, and I I sing Chuncho in my show, and that I know, song I've I it. go in. Oh, have you seen the show?
0: I saw, no, I saw the YouTube video. Oh, holy same. shit, Ali! Oh yeah. my <laughs> goodness! Do you know how many people from New York I've sent your video to mm-hmm. that have said that to me? Holy shit! Who oh, is wow. that? Oh so. yes,
2: that's awesome. It's it's an incredible piece, and and when I sing that, I feel like I almost go into a trance because there's something it. it does to you it's it is these kind of really animal noises that come from somewhere else completely than when i sing anything else um yeah. and you know i think that's why i love her so much because it is uh, it's truly visceral her her music and her singing mm. um and, and as soon as i sort of start deep diving about her life and i've actually become uh, quite good friends with her former makeup artist and, and so I, I own a lot of her right. jewelry and clothing and
1: I was um, going to say, you have her makeup box.
2: I have her makeup box. Yeah. Oh, I know.
1: Wow. I was like, how the hell?
2: It's actually a fishing tackle box that she used with <laughs> all the little bits out of it. I, it's just in the other room. I could get it for you in a sec.
1: That's so theatre. You wear her, wear her jewellery on stage.
2: I wear all her jewellery on stage. I, some, I have some of her support underwear. I, uh, oh. it, it was unworn. <laughs> it's still in its packets. But um, no, I have a, a lot of stuff, and I have a couple of. Of her original records i have birds oh, wow. uh and oh, nahala's wow. lament which was in Flahouli. yeah and then i got th- this one was actually oh, given wow. to me by michael feinstein after i did that which is her doing um the whim away which is you know in the jungle the major. yep yep
0: which you also do yes with your your jasmine test? well i do that
2: in my, my kids show but i don't yeah, do that but uh yeah i have a lot of her stuff and i really try and and keep her her sort of legacy alive because as you say i think everyone should know of ema i think um, she wasn't given the credit that uh, she deserved in her lifetime as well as far as being a musician she was um, very much overshadowed by her husband in that respect of writing the music so much of her music is improvised and i think she hasn't been credited a lot of time as a songwriter but she's had a huge impact on those songs and and when you do hear her you think you couldn't write that could you you couldn't mark it down on a piece of paper it's it's absolutely mm. um i'm so glad you guys have, have enjoyed her and this album because yeah i think she's extraordinary
1: yeah I, it's just so yeah crazy yeah i was um a, again after we after we'd watched uh jerry springer yeah you didn't like that but you liked <laughs> you Miss sumac what's happening to you <laughs> again I, I put it on and i've i've got a pa speaker in the lounge because you know tv speakers are terrible i ran it through the pa cranked it up is it Chum, Chumbo Chuncho. Chuncho. Chuncho Yeah Chuncho. crank that up and and yeah my wife is just sitting there sort of gripping my hand tighter every every high note and just going she she's incredible she's amazing <laughs> what the hell how have i never heard of this before you know literally getting tingles yeah she's she's phenomenal i i, I don't know how you can't uh, you can't appreciate what she can do i mean while you're looking at you know, YouTube clips of her walking on stage, the clips that I walking off stage, sorry. The yeah. clips that I saw was her harmonising with a flute. And like, oh my God.
2: And there's times where you can't tell which is the flute and which is her. Okay? Mm. Mm.
1: Yeah, and I watched a lot of, um, I tried to find what I could with documentaries. And there's not a lot out there. There was a few about her life, um, but a lot of them are in Spanish. So I just let them run like I'm I'm at work and I just let them go on the TV and occasionally it would flip into English and um there was this the other thing that amazed me is her voice doesn't seem to wane as she gets older like she was she's um she was literally at Machu Picchu
2: oh yeah it's an incredible video
1: singing along with birds that random birds yeah. that would would fly by and she was singing along with them in um, she looked to be in her 70s or 80s at that point point. Mm-hmm. and you know she's still pulling it off you know 50 years later and if anything it got better yeah an amazing voice an amazing talent
2: and a really remarkable story as well her her, her story was quite extraordinary yeah so it was it was really wonderful to get to know her and 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 it sort of makes sense in some small way of of her voice and and her music
1: yeah. certainly not a housewife from brooklyn
2: certainly not and that was another thing that kind of had an impact on the decline of her career because you know people really did believe that she was amy Camus, which is ema sumac back the front which was just a joke that one of the band members made one night because they were walking back and they could see her name from behind, you know, written on the billboard and he made a joke and so, you know, sounds like a housewife from Brooklyn. But it sort of did the rounds and people still say to me, oh, wasn't she a housewife from Brooklyn? And it,
0: it yeah. really did kind
2: of damage that a little bit, um, the, the mystique and people kind of calling into question. Yeah, I mean, Capitol Records certainly did make up a whole lot of stuff about her being an Incan princess and stuff, which is a touch of truth. But, uh, you know, I think people started to think, oh, it's all just... Doesn't make sense. And then people start to think, oh, maybe the the voice is made up as well and maybe she's not all that again. So you pull back the mystique from things and it's yeah. But no she is the real deal.
1: She is the
0: nightingale of the Andes, the daughter indeed. of the sun.
1: Exactly.
2: And it'll be
0: her hundredth birthday next year.
2: It will indeed. September ten.
0: Mm. Yes. Uh, now El Condor Pasa, is mm-hmm. that a cover? because i swear to god i was singing along in english to something
2: yeah no it's definitely a cover she didn't write that interestingly they sued uh the record company over that because weirdly they actually attributed it to paul simon he didn't write it but he'd done a, a version of it around about the same time but he didn't write it but she sued the company because she does an improvisation at the start and at the end of that piece, which is absolutely her. And again, I think it was the first time she'd ever really stood up for herself and said, no, actually, I did have a hand in this. Not, you know, she didn't write the full thing, but she should have been credited as one of the writers for it
0: yeah. because
2: she was actually writing music over it. But no, that's, um, yes, it, it's, it, and that that sort of, she didn't do any of the high stuff over that either. That's the only song on that album where she doesn't do all the um, the, the high whistle tone. Um, just sort of in its raw state, but that's been done by lots of people. Black Earth, uh, um, Fuji's did a version of that, I think as well.
0: Okay, yeah. Now I can't remember what song it is, but I do remember singing along to it in English every time I listen to it. But there's no Wikipedia page for this album, so I no, I, I never got around well, I'm, to.
2: I'm looking actually to see if there's anything interesting in my Bible here, which is not actually. There's, there's some things in this book about Amy Camus that I'm. Uh, the Amy Camus. That Emma Sumak that I'm. Uh, <laughs> God, there's. It's got Amy Camus written on the front here. Emma uh, Sumak that's referred to a lot. But interestingly, now that I've become friendly with her former sort of assistant makeup artist, he hates this book. He says there's lots of things that are wrong in it. So I always, yeah. I always refer to him when I was writing the show just to make sure. Um, you know, there's a lot of stuff written that's not quite correct.
0: Now, how bored were you when you worked out that you could sing, just like Emma? Were you just sitting around your house one day?
2: I thought that I thought that full stop was going to come just after when I could find out I could sing. Full stop. <laughs>
0: yeah. No, because I know you've answered that with, um in another podcast when you first worked out to sing. But how did how did you work out? What were you doing when you worked out? Oh shit! I can sing like this because it's remarkable what you what you can I, do.
2: I do remember playing around with this sound because of Ima Sumac because I'd heard yeah. there was an album called Mumbo Exotica and it was a whole bunch of French DJs in the nineties who did versions of old Exotica tunes. It was a kind of a big thing, I guess, in the nineties, you'd take old fifties albums. Yeah. And I think Verve opened up their back catalogue as did Capital and people could just make remixes.
0: Mm-hmm. And
2: so i I'd, I'd heard this and one of the songs and I couldn't tell if it was an instrument or computer trickery or a human voice, mm-hmm. And then sort of years later, I just kept hearing that same, as you say, you hear it on ads or hear it in movies and things. And it started to be like, who is that? So I started to look into it. And yeah, I was, I think even just in the shower when I I do like to sing in the shower, I would just play around with that sound. And then I was at Edinburgh Fringe Festival and I'd been playing this auto harp and I decided to do a version of Shook Me All Night Long. And I usually had done it with a band and I was doing a spot in a late night comedy club and didn't have a band so I thought, well, you have to have the guitar solo in Shook Me All Night Long. Yeah. So I thought, well, maybe I'll just try and use that Ima Sumak whistle tone and do the guitar solo. So I started doing that song and singing sort of the, this high wailing guitar solo. And that yeah. became a little bit of a thing that I would, you know, do in places. And then I think I then used it again, I think, in Edinburgh. It's always sort of I have to do some late night comedy thing and think oh I better do something funny because it's not necessarily always my thing and I did I was doing oops I did it again and I decided to make it sound like the record had sped up so I'd do a verse of oops I did it again in in falsetto which I've it's yep. actually on my kids album I think and then just started really getting into Emma Sumak and deciding I wrote the show about her over a few years and yes hopefully I was meant to do it at the art centre in Melbourne last year which was cancelled so i'm hoping next year for her 100th birthday we'll be having some um getting that show out and about
0: we'll definitely be there to see it then (laughs) that's when i will get to see it um because obviously if it was meant to be last year Mm. nothing bloody (laughs) this past year and a half i'll tell you that g'day listeners aaron here While you're topping up your coffees, did you know that you can support our show and go on a fantastically scary adventure at the same time? Go to www.thetonistontales.com forward slash bookstore to grab your copy of The Toniston Tales, a darkly funny Aussie trilogy about a young boy who rescues injured animals in his spare time and the rollercoaster ride he's taken on by a literal fish-out-of-water. Written by me, the village idiot of thrash-and-treasure, you'll come to love Toniston Turnbull and the dozens of wacky characters that he meets along the way. And here is a sneak peek. Crack thud, the human trips over the uneven ground as the Twonimal blows out the lantern. Watch your step, Kapoor says a little too late. Why did you put the light out? Bolly kosh, an open flame near hay bales? "'And here I thought you were smart, sir,' Toniston agrees with how silly he must have sounded. "'What are we doing out here?' the boy asks as they blindly walk around the side of the house, where they're greeted by giant shadows rising up above them. Unable to properly see in the pitch-black darkness, Toniston presumes they are the three hay bales. He looks around. The plains are vast and the spotlights out in the distance, now a purple colour, seem to be too far away to bring any real light to them. They do, however, look very pretty dancing on the rippling oceanic sky. Stand back, the silhouetted cub paw warns with his gruff but friendly voice, clearly able to see in the darkness better than the human, who had constantly refused to eat his carrots. Grab your copy of The Toniston Tales from thetonistontales.com forward slash bookstore today. Hooroo! Now, okay, so you've obviously seen different styles uh, and you've done so operetta as well as full opera and you've done, as you say, ACDC and stuff. Is there anything that you do differently to prepare your voice? Obviously, there'll be different warm-up style, but it, in terms of preparation?
2: No, I warm up exactly the same no matter what I do, actually.
0: Yeah? Oh, wow. Mm.
2: Oh, I just wake up my voice from bottom to top, really, and, and um, but I don't tend to excessively warm up. I just sort of usually just hum and what they call siren through my whole range and make sure it's all awake, Um, just a little bit like having a little stretch before you go for a run and then get going. But I think that the fact that I did learn classically and, and, you know, learnt to sing operatically, you know, it's like doing a cordon bleu course and then running a food truck. The skills, it's no less important, but I think it's great to have, to have gained those skills that that background that then you can do anything and you've got that sort of foundation i guess so that's yeah. how i see that that operatic training no matter if i'm just singing shoot me all night long it still absolutely comes into play it's still there at my foundation at my core
0: do you have a least favorite warm-up song
2: oh i tell you what my least favorite is is any group warm-up is my least favorite warm-up song yeah I, Do my own warm ups. I don't like when you have to do group warm up songs. So no, all of them are my least favourite.
1: Because you've said you're not a fan of uh, competition.
2: Oh no, it's not even competition. Because I don't think warm ups necessarily. Situation
1: when you're in a room of singers who who may or may not be trying to outdo each other.
2: (laughs) There is that. I'll be honest with you. It doesn't often happen. I don't often get. You know, we might just sing one of the songs from the show we're doing to warm up or something like that. But I don't often get made to do not since sort of the amateur dramatic days really
0: (laughs) Yeah. Uh, yeah okay opera sets fascinate me because I sometimes just look up opera sets from around the world they are magnificent yeah but I've also heard some horror stories from cast and crews and from audience members not being able to see scenes and stuff like that um do you prefer a big grand set or something more minimalist to work with
2: oh look i just like working i don't really care too much yep. but I, I have to say <laughs> you know my favorite sets have been have probably been minimalist ones i i'm a really big fan of fantastic lighting and the, yep. the most recent piece i did lorelei with victorian opera which we did last year We did this year, oh my God, time is a construct, um, in Queensland for Opera Queensland and we also did it at the Palais here in Melbourne. That, Mark Hall did the set for that. It's just three very simple boxes and -hmm. then Paul Jackson, who did the lighting, just did extraordinary work with the lighting using LEDs and all sorts of things. I found that extraordinary. The lighting almost had, it was almost a character in itself and it really um, impacted how I performed. You know, It had a real impact on me. Um, yeah. That was probably one of my favourite sets and its simplicity was absolutely apparent. But talking of some of my favourite horror stories of sets...
0: Yes, yes.
2: And Not necessarily ones I have witnessed mm-hmm. myself, but, you know, these sort of urban myths that I adore. Yeah. Tosca, where at the end uh, she throws herself off the, the building to her death. And in one production in particular, they uh, had a little trampoline to catch her. Mm-hmm. Um And uh, no, sorry, she gets shot, doesn't she? Sorry, I'm I'm completely confused. But anyway, she falls off this building. I think the story goes that it was completely balanced so that for this singer, she would fall and that would be fine. But on the night uh, she was sick and her understudy went on and the understudy was a little heavier. And so when she jumped off the building, the audience saw the building here and she jumps off and bounced back up and then they saw her. pop up again on the battalion.
1: Oh, I thought you were going to say that she missed. No, 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 oh. no, I
2: wouldn't. That would be a sad one. I like the funny ones. Yeah. And I have been in I have been in productions when uh, someone's walked on and forgotten to put their wig and just wearing a wig cap. And so I, I had a production once where someone walked on and didn't realize there was a coat hanger just hanging off the back. And he was meant to be this sort of big king, and he had just a coat hanger hanging off the back of his jacket, which just was hilarious. Yeah. Um, I look I love when things go wrong I think I think live theatre that's what I love about it when I think something goes just slightly awry you're reminded that this is completely live and every every show you do every night is is unique
0: yeah we're all vulnerable for that two hours or three mm. and a half hours if you're doing opera now okay having done so much opera what's been your experience with standing ovations have you noticed a difference in audiences maybe compared to 10 15 years ago compared to today
2: oh yes uh the general thing is australians are a really tough lot to get standing ovations from sometimes there's a Mm -hmm. and i think well there's a couple of things opera crowds are slow they're usually a little older and they're not Mm -hmm. as quick to stand up because you know you sit Sit down for two hours. Your knees get a bit stiff. Yeah. And then you have some younger crowds that stand up because they're getting up to going. They've got another. They've got to get to another show at a festival, or they're going to the bar. And <laughs> you know, you're never quite sure if it's a standing ovation or people are just really busting for the toilet. But no, Australians don't. In Europe, you have these standing ovations. It's very common for you to have an encore, like quite a lot of curtain calls and encores. In Australia, yeah. that's not like, yeah, no, I loved it, and I'll stand and I'll clap, and yep, sure, bring that curtain up once more. But any more than that's Come on, take your hand off it. We yeah. you know we don't like to be excessive <laughs> with that sort of stuff here in Australia.
0: More than one shake and you're playing with it, as I said to mm-hmm. Evan before the call. That marks this question of um, pretty much every guest since Joanna Gleason, I think, uh, and we've had so many different perspectives on stage and off stage of people. Everyone's definitely seen a change.
2: What, you think less standing ovations or?
0: Oh, no, more, more. unnecessarily given today. And it's not at all to say that no one, the people don't deserve it. It's perhaps there's an influence that's reality TV where they're getting up and screaming for the worst performances ever because they're told to. And so they take that mentality with them. That's that's one suggestion. Michael Cerverus suggested that it might be fandoms that's their way of showing their fandom, like that they can be the loudest. Who...
2: There is that. I think also some productions are seeking a standing ovation and so that the music they play, if they play it at all, like they didn't always used to play music in a yeah. curtain call and now the music's chosen specifically to well you up to sort of stand up and cheer. Mm-hmm. I've I, I've heard productions that have recorded backing tracks having recorded audience sound actually having the the cheering and 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 screaming on the audio yeah. in the background which as an audience you you go along with because you're like oh my god yeah everyone's screaming i'm gonna scream too um so that's a little sort of false encouragement which i don't know yeah. you can be here for or not i'm not sure
0: no i'm totally not there for it <laughs> i'm like sit down just let me see out the cast as they walk <laughs> off and then i can go and we can all go and I' Don't have to be annoyed by people. Um, I'd sound like a grumpy old curmudgeon. And now can you tell our listeners um about uh, Lorelei? Because I believe you approached our friends at Victorian Opera with this idea.
2: Lorelei was when I was studying music at university, there was quite a lot of uh German lead, which is just German art song, written by uh written about the Lorelei. It's the German folkloric myth akin to the sirens, or even a little bit like mermaids, I guess. Okay. Um but there was a very, two very famous, a Goethe and a Heine poem about the Lorelei. The idea being, the Lorelei is an actual place on the Rhine River, it's a rock. And it's a place where it's coming in from the sea, there's a lot of shipwrecks. And the yep. story went that uh, there was a young woman, a beautiful woman who, uh, her lover went off to sea. Well, there's various versions of this folkloric myth, but her lover went off to sea. She pined after him um, and was saving herself for her. She was absolutely beautiful. And all the men in the community, tried to win her over. She said no to them all and she drove them a bit mad and people were leaving their wives and it was, you know. And so the bishop of the area thought, well, this can't do. This is obviously this woman's fault for being so beautiful. We should put her in a nunnery. (laughs) And as she was being taken to the nunnery, she said, please, can I stop and look one more time over the Rhine River to see if my lover has returned? And she either fell or pushed or was pushed or whatever off this rock to her death. And from then on, the ghost of the Lorelei, this beautiful maiden brushing her long hair and singing her. her song would lure these sailors towards the rock and they would crash their boat. And I was always fascinated by this because it seems to happen a lot in literature where a woman's beauty or sensuality or sexuality is is the blame for men's failings and so was it that the sailors was it just maybe just a quite treacherous piece of water or maybe the sailors were drinking a little bit too much rum or they were overworked by their overlords I don't think it was Mm -hmm. possibly this poor beautiful woman's fault that they kept crashing to their death so I was interested in exploring that I guess from a slightly feminist angle and was originally going to be a, a show for our opera burlesque and then I heard Julian Langdon's music in another piece, Seven Deadly Sins, that Victorian opera did. And I just had this sudden thought, maybe we should. I should just write, get a new opera written. Um, and then went and got Casey Benetto from Keating the Musical, which if you haven't looked at mm-hmm. that in this show, you should. Yeah, um, we will.
0: Eventually.
2: And Gillian Cosgrove, <laughs> who is a fantastic musical comedian and actress currently in The Cursed Child, a Harry Potter yeah. play. Yes, we went to Victorian Opera and um, Richard was really into the idea, Richard Mills, the artistic director, and they were fantastic supporters of it and it's been an incredible process and I've started a company now called Fluxus and we're working on creating more new opera and I've got another one that I can't talk about unfortunately yet but with Opera Queensland that will be performed next year and few other things in the pipeline because i think opera has room to grow and be really exciting and vibrant doesn't have to be dumbed down but it can be fantastic and we have a an opera company a national opera company here this year who like next year they've not programmed one australian work nothing new Mm. most of the stars are from overseas and i just feel like we've got such an incredible incredible creatives and singers here that we should be celebrating australian work and australian stories and australian creatives
0: Yep, i've been saying that a lot on this show it needs to be a lot more exposure even if it is a production from overseas still get that cast out there i haven't seen anything of the frozen girls princess anna and elsa the australian cast you know like get them out there because you know that the fans from around the world are going to check that out that's what fans Mm. do they seek out and seep out every bit of information that they can so mm. yeah, no, I completely agree there. We do need more support with Australian arts community.
2: I think Australian audiences want it too. I ever, I keep getting yeah. asked by people, how can we support the arts? We really want to, you know, we, um, and we've got incredible talent here. You go overseas and you find Aussies everywhere. So we might as well celebrate us, ourselves here.
0: Exactly. Uh, now, would you ever do a sitcom? Huh. Um, I,
2: it's never, I've never even crossed my mind.
0: Yeah, never crossed your mind. <laughs> Just, honestly
2: I, if anyone offers me a job i'll take every job as you know yeah. uh, you know i'll consider anything but it's not been something that's uh i'm not a massive fan of, of i'm certainly not a fan of canned laughter i i actually just listened to a fantastic podcast on that very thing but no i don't think yeah. i'd ever want to do anything with canned laughter unless it was ironic canned laughter <laughs> Is that a yeah
0: thing? no I, I i don't
1: like the canned laughter yeah. myself I'm i'm actually starting to get annoyed even at studio audiences like with um say john oliver spent you know, a year and a half in a room without with, an audience, with no, with no crowd. And I got, and how good was it? Yeah. it was brilliant. And I <laughs> and got used to it and I like it. And now he's back in his studio and it just sounds cheap. Like, no, no, it was better without a crowd. It was better without laughter. Even if it's
0: real laughter. We <laughs> talked about it with Tim Doyle on this show. Um, cause he is a sitcom producer from Hollywood. And when he was doing the big bang theory. The audience were so excited to be there so they would overdo it. They would Mm. overlaugh at jokes and that's why things sound terrible. Uh, Audience laughter sounds terrible because they know that they're being recorded. They know that they've got to Mm. clap louder than normal. They've got to laugh louder than normal.
2: There is also a warm-up guy standing there telling people to clap and throwing candy at them. I mean, if you've ever been in a studio audience, they throw candy at the audience to give them sugar high and to get really overexcited and, and you are told to go over the top it's it's insane
0: yeah it is warm-up guys they work your asses off for this audience that are do. sitting there for a long time but uh won't keep you much longer is there an opera house that you're eager to perform in because i know you've obviously performed in a lot of prestigious places around the world
2: Oh, gosh! I mean, so many of the European houses are just so beautiful, um and they don't they really don't make them like that anymore when you you know standing on at one of those european or and there's some in London as well, those gorgeous old theaters with the beautiful boxes and these florid. Yeah. yeah, I mean, i there's yeah, you don't always get a fantastic view from the stage in any of those sort of houses that have that incredible view, you know, the the Viennese and I mean everywhere in Europe they're just astounding, those old opera houses. Yeah, give yeah. me any one of those anytime.
0: Yeah, beautiful. I can't wait to <laughs> to go into one. Uh, Evan? You... No, no.
1: I just wanna thank you for for turning me on to Im Sumac and, and you know, now I'm gonna start hunting down some vinyl. If it, we'll do if hunt down some vinyl. There's also
2: um, her uh, site, which I helped um, Damon, who's her uh, former assistant, set up. He sells a whole bunch of rare B-sides and uh, oh, wow. rare things, which you can buy d- digital downloads um, and things like that. So there's some really interesting little things. He has some live recordings. Um, I've actually just, yeah, I bought an old reel of a, a live show... Um, that she did at the Shrine Auditorium which I just had digitised and it's yeah it's a reel-to-reel which is pretty awesome as well there's some fantastic because she she, the recorded stuff she did she never the mumbo album she didn't really like doing she thought it was a bit of a sellout. so in her live show she she goes to town um, and you really get to hear what her voice can do so Yeah. um, yeah I encourage you to seek out those recordings
0: Mm.
1: awesome yeah oh, oh certainly will be like i said me the the wife just kind of instantly fell in love with her voice and it's just just incredible
2: oh i'm so glad yeah um,
0: and i was creatively inspired by it and kicking myself like well every week i learn something you do uh yes so uh, where can people find you on the social medias
2: Oh on the social media I'm um, look at all the normal places um yeah. com. but uh, yeah next year's going to be an, an interesting year there's some really great stuff coming out and uh, the, yeah. you know what I was talking about so passionately before new opera there's one in the pipelines and hopefully we'll get yeah. ema sumac up on the stage again and you yes. um, look I just encourage your audience to seek out Australian artists and the work they're doing because you know next year it's been a really full-on couple of years and i think australian creatives and australian venues and all of that sort of stuff need all your support i went online last night bought some tickets to the jazz festival and adelaide festival and i think just get out amongst it as much as you can doesn't have to be me
1: except western australia because you know we're not letting you in (laughs) no thanks for that we don't want to go there anyways
2: i don't care about you guys no it's fine yeah you're you're
1: fine yeah you're our (laughs) center of the world the, uh, the posters behind me are my little t- tribute to shows that never happened. Oh, are they? Yeah, none of these happened. They they put up the shows like uh, there was a, uh, what's it called? Damn it, There was the Hell Mega Festival tour, which was supposed to be Green Day. Uh, Green Day, mm-hmm. Fall Out Boy and Weezer. And they slated it for last November. Mm-hmm. And I went, no, there is no way that's happening. And yeah. sure enough, it didn't. Yeah, none of these shows happened. I didn't know that where they came from because i at work uh someone comes and puts up all the posters for you know coming Uh, up and coming shows yeah um and i took a photo right at the start of the pandemic um of this full wall of all these shows that will never happen
0: Mm. um
1: and then that slowly got less and less and then then it was an empty wall for a while like literally nothing on there apart from you know people cleaning houses then they started going back up again but at the moment there's like two posters and it's you know a ballet school and car washing yeah you know, well it's... you know western
2: australians had western australia has had more uh you know live theater than anywhere else in australia i think mm. um so yeah. you know you you, can, you think about how how empty it is here in melbourne yeah very empty
1: yeah yep. yeah, at the moment there's still no posters up
0: so no. oh,
2: bless they'll be up again
0: I look forward to Tommy
2: yeah (laughs) talk about rock operas
0: yeah but yes anyways no thank you very very much for joining us it's been an absolute honor you might say that you're not the the number one in Australia but I am declaring it on this show because anyone knows that I am feisty and I fight my point on this show that's why and I think if we've learned
2: anything over the last couple of years you can say anything you want and pretend it's the truth
0: yes that's true (laughs) but yes anyways to you at home you take care and we shall see you next time awesome
2: no worries lovely to meet you both